coming up on Thunder Pop. All right, here we go, folks. This is the 41st episode of the Thunder Pop podcast. Stephen Presley here once again. And joining me today, Miss Karen Channing. Welcome to the show. I'm tickled to be with you. You've been on some pretty big heavy hitters, though. You've already made the rounds because you've been promoting your books. I know you did the Studio 512. Is that the show? Yes, I here, did. And that's here locally, but it's a pretty professional, big-budget production of a show. Like It looks like it could be a national show. Oh, yeah. It looked fancy. Now, did that happen kind of last minute? One day. One day. <laughs> kind of work very much that way sometimes. It's just so hurry up and wait. You know, I do the, the TMZ things, and they'll send me texts. Can you come on in an hour? And I'm you know at the juice land, and I'm dripping sweat after just having worked out. So, but yeah, so you got like 24 hours, but this is in studio. So yeah. this is a much bigger deal. Before we were recording, you were talking about your trip to India, how everything you did to try to prepare for the trip, nothing could have quite prepared you for the trip. You probably tried to prepare yourself in your mind what that would be like to do that show. And it's live too, right? No, but it looks like it's live. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. we might have a little spoiler there that it was if it's recorded a day ahead. That even, well, I don't think they're <laughs> I don't think they're gonna get mad at you. You're not gonna get blacklisted from the show. Like when I used to do acting, we would do local theater, and we would actually get to go on the local news sometime promote our play. They would let us come on, and we'd even act out a scene or something. And it was kind of funny to show up in character and do that on the news to interact with the newscaster in in character. But one of the things that always threw me off was the bright lights in your eye. I don't remember the lights so much. I do remember being nervous. And I remember the giant cameras, just that it went by like that. Much faster than you maybe you thought it would go by. It was by. like a blink. I almost couldn't remember it afterward. Wow. It was a great experience. I've been wanting to have you here. You know, anything to kind of class up this podcast, it gets a little testosterone filled. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. So in this episode, the 41st episode of the Thunderpop podcast, we're going to talk about some favorite shows that we've watched recently on Netflix. The American people don't know what's best for them. I do. I know exactly what they need. They're like little children, Claire. We have to hold their sticky fingers and wipe their filthy mouths. And then we're going to talk about Karen Channing. I'm going to call you the doodling queen. I don't know if that's okay. She has two books out, and they're 365 days of doodling. And then the new one, Doodle Book Junior, which is a spinoff book. And so doodling has been a huge part of uh, pop culture for a while now. And art has made a huge comeback because there's been so much of a, a move from what's in print, what used to be in print, to what's on a digital screen now. Kind of like the same thing happened where, where music went to digital, but now there's been kind of a, a romance to people that have wanted to go back to something that they can have in their hands, like in vinyl. And I think that one of the things that's, that's helping drive art really back to the forefront is that people want something that is not on a screen that has to be where you have to have a battery to charge it to be able to see it. It's something you can go and access anytime. And uh, so a lot of my friends that are really good in street art, that's the other end of this is the street art is huge now. And it's, and it's a level of acceptance and how it's become mainstream. When you see a yuppie family in a upper to middle class neighborhood and they're wanting to get a graffiti artist to come and do their garage door. I mean, that's when you know that it has come a long way in terms of its acceptance and level of becoming considered art. And then doodling on the other end of it. So we'll talk about that. We'll hit the theme song, and we'll be right back. 
Yeah. God, get that fly. Sorry. <laughs> fly was bugging me. We're back at the 41st episode. Stephen Presley and Karen Channing joining me. You're a Netflix watcher, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So, like, for entertainment, and I know I've seen you post on Facebook. You were look, you're always you're looking for recommendations, which is a great place to get. And sometimes you get more than you can handle when you post on Facebook saying, okay, I'd like some recommendations for a Netflix show or a streaming show. And you will end up getting, like, so many shows that you're not going to watch probably. You'll probably get to 20% of the shows that get posted on a wall after you ask for a recommendation. Because I've done this for different things, book recommendations, and you just get all these posts. But you kind of go through them and what, how do you pick like if you get 50 suggestions where do you even start with that do you kind of start by reading about the show's synopsis and seeing which ones might be subject matters that you might be interested in if i get 50 recommendations i've probably seen 47 of them yeah i watch that many videos so you dive in so that's one of the things yeah. is i just have to sift through which ones i've already seen mm-hmm. and then i also try to look and see do they seem to like the same kind of things that I do? Ah, uh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll go to IMDb or mm-hmm. something like that and look at the star ratings. Yeah, yeah. yeah and those will, and people will, will be more than happy to give you their opinions on the internet. <laughs> Whether it's welcomed or not, they're going to give it to you. Just talking about reviews specifically, they can be huge for growth of a business. I wouldn't be afloat today if it wasn't for uh, online reviews that help me build my business on a very minimal budget for advertising. Those reviews are my marketing, but it also makes it more vulnerable because if I had one terrible day with one bad client and I get lynched, I call it getting lynched. If I get lynched uh, with one bad, bad review that's on the top of that list, whether it's justified or not, I mean, I've heard about restaurants. They first open, they get, they get a, the worst customer ever. It just happens to be their first customer ever, and they give them a bad review. They can close a restaurant down, but you, a restaurant can also become a huge uh, success overnight after just all being open for a few weeks because of some good starting attraction on the internet. So I know, like your book, that had to be really big for you, online reviews, right, to get it to get some traction. Definitely, I've heard that on Amazon, if you have at least fifty reviews, mm-hmm. then Amazon shows your book. In more searches. So that's the magic number. Out a newsletter. Mm-hmm. I've never confirmed this, but there's like this rumor going around amongst authors that yeah. 50 is the number to get to. So, it's the golden number. Yeah. And I have that now for the first book. So if you guys have the kids book, go ahead and make a review for me. Yeah. So that's, get the, up there for that, the that's the push one. is to get the kids book up there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I have had a couple of bad reviews for the first mm-hmm. book and, and um, one, actually only two. Mm-hmm. One of them was really vague. They mm-hmm. said it didn't meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. The other one said that it was too conceptual. So 365 Days mm-hmm. of Doodling, as you know, is mm-hmm. um, the doodle prompts are thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I think this person was looking for something like doodle a cup, doodle a tree. Wow. And I'm more like, doodle what sounds really good to you right now. Mm-hmm. Doodle something you'd like help with. So, But you know what I do with them is mm-hmm. that I, I reply to every single comment and to the people who yep. had negative reviews for the books i just wrote to them i said sorry it didn't line up for you mm-hmm. it's not for everyone maybe you could leave it in a coffee shop or in your doctor's office or someplace oh, where somebody one. might like to play with it because just sitting on your shelf it'll get mm-hmm. wasted but you know just put it out somewhere oh somebody will burn use it. <laughs> leave it in a coffee shop for some people who are going to appreciate it <laughs> It is kind of so a burn, isn't it? People that got some light on them that can <laughs> see the the joy in it. No, you 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 person you don't like things too scripted, do you? In life, 
Yeah. You like things to kind of go with the flow a little bit. Yeah. I get that, yeah. you know, from you. And so just with the same thing with the, your book and the doodling, you want that to, the same thing. You don't want it to make force. Okay. You're doodling with a cup today. Right. Or you're going to doodle on, well, on the sweaty back of a weightlifter exactly. today. Exactly. So I wouldn't say doodle Which on is the, the adult of- version of the, of the... You did the kids version. That would be <laughs> right. the adult version. Well, et cetera, right? Yeah. My publisher's been asking me about that. Hey, I bet we could do some naughty stuff and make a buck on this. Oh, but so I you've will, had that pitch. We've, we've talked about it. I'm not it. the first one with that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, lose weight, make more money, have more sex. If we did any books that were on those, we think that those would be the, the big sellers. But mm-hmm. I will say mm-hmm. something like doodle on a surface you don't normally doodle on. And then someone could say, well, I'm going to go do it on the sweaty back of a weightlifter. Yeah. So it's like, I like to give guidelines, yeah. but not super specific. You have to do this yeah. on this object. And yeah. that, yeah, that's not, that's not your thing. The funny thing is, as you're talking about this, I'm realizing mm-hmm. I'm really rigid in some ways. Like mm-hmm. if I do certain courses, I have a lot of expectation mm-hmm. that people follow the rules because it's mm-hmm. designed that way. And at the same time... I want freedom, spontaneity. It's interesting to think about right now. Yeah, it's weird, you know, because people yeah can be uptight in some ways and then very uh, loosey-goosey in others. I'm the same way. Uh, I can be, and it also has to do with my mood, too, and, um, you know, how how much of a bridezilla do I have to DJ a wedding for this week is going to make me a lot less loosey-goosey. Or if I got some badass clients that are just super laid back and um, they've, they've not asked or tasked me with too much, then I'm going to be a lot more loosey goosey that week, uh, leading up to it. So it just depends on timing for me, um, you know, just how wild and crazy I can get, and, and, <laughs> and let's have some fun. Or oh, not today, you know, yeah. But <laughs> I don't, no, yeah. But yeah, there's good people can be compartmentalized about their their versions of uptight to their versions of loosey goosey, what they're loosey about and what they're, yeah, yeah. And I love Lucy. Uh, I wish so, Lucy could come and doodle with us. Yes, I wish that. I want to ask you something about that, too. Speaking of celebrity doodling. Talking about a show that you finally landed on that you ended up really liking on Netflix, House of Cards. Yes. We talked about this. Now, what led you to picking that? I started House of Cards whenever it first came out, mm-hmm. and I liked it a lot. And then the middle seasons, I was a little bit bored with them. But that's what everybody's been oh, saying about House know. of Cards. Good yeah, it know. seems to be the the consensus is that they drifted in the middle seasons. They were started off really strong, very strong, and then they drifted. That's interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. Part of the issue for me is that I watch these things at mm-hmm. night when I'm falling asleep. Mm-hmm. So if I'm either falling asleep or I'm doing something else while I'm watching it, like if I'm binge watching something, it's likely I'll be doing some other things because it'll just be on in the background. I'll mm-hmm. be doodling or writing or doing chores or something. So it may have been that the middle seasons of House of Cards also, I just wasn't paying that much attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I was kind of bored with it, but I just spontaneously clicked when this new season came on and I started to watch it. And right away, I don't know what was different about it, but there were just twists and turns that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I thought the acting was excellent. She is so gorgeous. And the way... Um, Robin Wright Penn? Robin Wright Penn. Or it might be just Robin, Robin Wright, Wright now. now I, think, I think she's yeah. just Robin Wright. The yeah. way she's styled on that show, her body, her clothing, she I just can't take my eyes off her. So that makes Well, and she's fun. a gorgeous woman. Yeah. And she's so hot again, like back on the scene. Yeah. Well, and she got featured so much now this last mm-hmm. season. She was super duper uh-huh. featured. And have you seen it yet? No. Okay, so it's really, really good. Lots of surprises. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people around me, they were feeling like House of Cards was a little too close mm-hmm. to 
the madness that's happening in our country's political realm. Yeah, too close to home. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I was able to just have a laugh about it Mm -hmm. because for me, the, the national political realm is... I want to say this lightly because I don't want to get lynched on this one now too, but Sure, no, go ahead. We're free 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 for all here. I kind of love it in a weird, creative way. It's Mm -hmm. so bizarre. Mm -hmm. It is so ridiculous Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I love it that that crazy guy is out there tweeting in the middle of the night. I imagine him like on his toilet with his phone, like Mm -hmm. saying crazy stuff. Talking about the real life. uh, Talking about our president. Not the show, but the real, now we're getting, yeah, it's hard. That's where you get the blurred blurred lines there. It's really blurred. It's really blurred. Um, So when I watched this season, I wasn't, I wasn't troubled. I wasn't emotionally troubled and, and being like, oh, this is too much. Close yeah, to it what's didn't going like cause here. you to, yeah, be too like, oh, this is just too close to home. Yeah. This is making me uncomfortable. And maybe the timing was such that it worked out for me because a few mm-hmm. weeks ago I was inspired to take a social media break for a month. As my, you were inspired to. Yes, and okay. I, I am doing it. It was leading up to my birthday, which is coming up in a few mm-hmm. weeks. And I had just been asking myself, what's a nice little something I could do for myself yeah. over this month? Mm-hmm. And nothing was coming to mind, and I didn't want to force anything. That wouldn't be like a birthday present, right? Mm-hmm. But I was meditating one day, actually. We were talking a little while ago about comments on mm-hmm. you know, social media, and people do have opinions. And I had seen something on Facebook that they, that had just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I was kind of meditating on it and like, what's my problem here? And then I just thought, I don't want to get involved in that discussion with that woman about this thing. I don't need to prove my point. And I just got this like bell went off, like, why don't you take the next month off and Mm. just keep to yourself and connect with people one-on-one, which is what you and I are doing right now. Mm -hmm. Just be a little more direct, a little more grounded. I think it will help me work on my current projects, all of that. So watching house of cards but not being on facebook so i'm not seeing any trending topics i'm not seeing what's Mm -hmm. going on with the russian investigations or any of that um but also i was not posting and saying hey you guys house of cards is really good it was just made it a kind of an easier experience for me just to Mm -hmm. enjoy it on my own but i thought it was excellent season yeah they're back from what i understand in every show if it goes on a number of seasons i don't care the show i don't know if there's any show that's ever knocked out 10 seasons that there wasn't a drop off when you do, and also I think, especially with comedies, it seems like third season is the magic number on comedies. They're always because because the characters, they get their comic the, their their chemistry down the the actors with each other. Um, so we we watched Frank and Gracie, or Grace and Frankie. Yeah, it, something. It, something. Third season, first season, entertaining wasn't like the most hilarious show ever, but it was interesting. Second season, better, more interesting stories. Third season has been just classic comedy hilarity. Is that the vibrator season? Yes. I'm Grace Hansen. Hilarious. And I am Frankie Bergstein. We make vibrators specifically designed for older women that take into account their arthritis. Tender vaginal tissue. Did you watch some of those? Yeah, I think I've seen the whole thing. Over time, comedies, third season, and even dramas, they really start ramping up the drama. So, but anyway, House of Cards, kind of back. How much longer is this going to go? Do you know, have they said, have they established, oh, we're going to do one more season, or has it not been, have they been kind of elusive about it? I don't know, but I definitely want to see what's coming next, because mm-hmm. the very end of the fifth season, yeah. I was like, ah, don't stop, don't left, leave me here. Left you on a, on a high, but also kind of left you hanging a little bit, yeah. like I can't wait to I what they're going to show next. I longed for it after it was over. Mm-hmm. I was like ready to see more. That's a good feeling. It was Kevin Spacey, of course, and uh, Robin Wright. And Robin Wright now in the new Wonder Woman movie also. 
she's a badass in this movie. Just a wonderful role. And I almost wanted to see a spinoff with her character to take that from Wonder Woman and take her character because it's just, it's just a really strong character, really strong woman. And I'm like, I just love that she's back, that she's she's out there making some really good work, really good stuff right now. And I'll have a question for you that might tie into her on House of Cards later. How many Thunderbolts do you give House of Cards on a scale of 1 to 10? Okay, 1 to 10... For the whole thing, I'm kind of a tough ranker. I think I'm going to go seven and a half. Oh. Okay, and then on yeah. season five alone, how's that elevated? I'm going to go eight and three quarters. Okay, so it bumps it up a little bit. It's good. It's a good bump up, though, because, I mean, for me, for anything to be ten, that's masterpiece. That's like all-time masterpiece. So, I mean, eight, eight and a half, when you get into that eight range, eight, point anything that's pretty good that's pretty damn impressive okay so for someone that has not watched house of cards and you're going to try to pitch them why they should watch it bullet points like you're trying to convince me to watch it what would be so kevin spacey Mm -hmm. how already sold you had me at at kevin yeah exactly right yeah i mean i I, i'm a usual suspects as one of my very favorite movies of all time great movie yeah all time great you know when I when I just oh I guess I was on Facebook still because I remember right before ah, I went on Facebook. Did you see this? It's hard that? to completely go dry. <laughs> I have been dry since mm-hmm. since the eighth of this month, but it must uh-huh. have been a couple days earlier yeah. than that because I was watching House of Cards and I had this aha about Kaiser mm-hmm. Soze mm-hmm. from Usual Suspects. Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah. And Frank Underwood. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah. Okay. But okay. I was kind of excited. Thinking okay. about those two characters. Well, uh-huh. Verbal Kent. So, Verbal Kent was um, Kevin Spacey's character in Usual Suspect. Yeah. And Frank Underwood, and I was thinking about those two characters. Anyway, I thought it was super interesting. So, three points. Kevin Spacey, how absolutely gorgeous Robin Wright is, and mm-hmm. just so interesting to look at. And mm-hmm. what was my third... Um, all I can think about is this most recent season, and I would just say there was so much in there I didn't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Like... Frequently through the episodes, I was like, wow, I need to talk to some people about this. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would encourage watching it. I just saw stuff I was not expecting it. Watching like with my jaw open. Are they about 10 or 11 episodes a season? I think so. Something like that? Yeah. They're about, what, is it an hour long per uh-huh. episode? Yeah. yeah. So we got two seasons there. Maybe we were a little slower than the other seasons in the middle. Mm-hmm. But it's still worth it to get through those two to get to that five, it sounds like. I think so. I think yeah. it's a really good show. And mm-hmm. I... I have trouble sometimes remembering the details of the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. I kind of numb out a little bit on some of the political conversation mm-hmm. with any show that I'm into. You know, it's hard to remember what's going on with all these relationships yeah. and who is setting up whom for what reason and all of that. So mm-hmm. um, I sometimes think watching it over again might be helpful, but also I just let my mind rest for a few minutes mm-hmm. if I'm losing track of what's going on and wait till I understand yeah. what's happening again. Yeah, and the writing now is so like dense yes. with the stuff that they pack into a show. Um, so I watched, I've watched all seasons of Mr. Robot from USA, but it's also they rerun it, I think, on Amazon uh, Prime. But they pack so much into a, an hour, so much stuff is moving so quickly compared to shows from like the 70s where there was so much, um, it was so much slower and little less stuff going on uh, compared if you watch an old 70s show now. Loves you, baby. There's some that are very still very good and very entertaining, but it's 
easier to drift off. Where now it's like they just been, and I, I one of the shows in the comedy world that I remember was the first comedy show that kind of did it for comedy was Seinfeld. How there would be so much happening in an episode of Seinfeld. It was a show about nothing, but there would be so much going on that it was a show about a lot. Uh, it's just the little things they would stick in there, and it was. And I don't, I don't remember a sitcom that broke the the blueprint more than Seinfeld at the time in terms of, you know, it was still a show filmed on a, a studio, three camera, that laugh track, all that was there. Just so much stuff coming in. Moved really quickly and you could watch an episode and miss something and then remember it when you saw it the second time. Like, oh yeah, yeah. So uh, now in dramas, these shows, these dramas, like you were talking about House of Cards, there's so much happening at once. And if you get, like, if you follow it and you drift for a little bit, you probably will miss something, but there's enough going on to where you're going to catch the other stuff, and that's still going to be pretty valuable for your entertainment time. Exactly, yeah. and that's why I don't pressure myself too much if I miss it. Sometimes I'll back up a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'll, like you're saying, it's moving so fast that even if mm-hmm. I back up a little bit, mm-hmm. I may still miss the same yes. thing, especially yeah. if there's anything happening in my mind. Yeah. I just have been watching the um, new Grateful Dead documentary, which is streaming on Amazon. Have you heard about this? No. So, um, Executive producer Martin Scorsese, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to remember the director's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out to really strong acclaim. What they what I heard about this movie, so it's almost four hours long. Mm-hmm. What I heard about the movie was that um, dead fans will love it. I'm mm-hmm. a devoted deadhead. Uh, but that the second half of the movie gets pretty heavy, which I have discovered as I'm now in the second half of it. And... Um, as happened in the realm of the Grateful Dead and in the later years, they're going to start talking about Jerry Garcia's slow and eventual demise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel to mention it was timely for me to be watching this because a, an old friend of mine died last Monday, not yesterday, but today's Tuesday, but the Monday before. And he was a musician and his band was very influenced by the Grateful Dead. So it was really interesting to be watching um something that brought up grief in me when I was already grieving this loss yeah. of my friend. It's just been really interesting. But the point that I wanted to make about it, I recommend the, the documentary a lot. I haven't watched the very last section yet because I was just too heartbroken with, with my friend's death to get into Jerry dying mm. yet again because he always mm-hmm. does at the end of the Grateful Dead stories. But mm-hmm. the first couple episodes are so interesting and so packed with details on all of these juicy... Um, archived video bits and audio bits that nobody's ever seen before. And what I was feeling about that movie is I want to see 10 hours of this. Like four hours is not enough. There's so much good stuff. And so thinking about like the drama shows now that are so packed full, I watching this documentary, I just wanted more, 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 more. And I'm kind of bummed that like I've already seen all of the happy parts so far, Mm -hmm. but I want more of it. And I'm imagining somewhere in the archives, there is more and maybe we're going to get to see more details of the stuff at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry about your friend it's passing. Uh, can you say his name? Yeah, John or- Mullins. Mm-hmm. John Mullins, he was living in Columbus, Ohio. He was one of the founding members of a band called Acoustic Hookah. And just a really sweet, genuine guy, mm-hmm. a wonderful songwriting talent mm-hmm. um, who had some demons of his own. Yeah. And uh, which is why, you know, some of that dead stuff is hitting, Grateful Dead stuff is hitting, hitting hard. Yeah. Um, but thanks to technology, 
I'm listening to tons of really great soundboard recordings that a friend of ours back in the day used to make of this band all the time. Mm-hmm. And now they're all on live archive and I see tons of videos on YouTube and mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of deepening the grief in a way because I can look at all of this and hear all this stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm also so grateful for it. Even grateful for what you're up to that we can record things and share them now. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. And as a creative person, whenever an artist dies, it pushes me a little bit finish the next book, let's make a record, whatever seems to be coming so that Mm -hmm. this little unique form that's only going to be here for however many years it's going to be here can leave an imprint for a second. I had a period where I was creating a lot and then I took a break, had personal setbacks. So I took a break and kind of did just living, not creating as much, but creating maybe in small spurts. But And then it got to a point, yeah, the epiphany, we're only here for so long in, in terms of like, this current version of us. So I like, you know, I want to get out there and start, you know, cause I, this thing goes by quick. Is it just me or does it go by quick life? Yeah. I don't know. I'm turning 47 in a few weeks. Wow. Well, I would not have guessed that. I would not have had you at, at but you know, 47 is still very young. It both seems quick and long. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I've lived so many lives. Mm-hmm. I know I have. That's part of the the strange experience with my friend John dying is remembering this mm-hmm. really, really major part of my life, but mm-hmm. it was like 25 years ago. I'm like, how can that be 25 years ago? So, I was just, yeah. Th- yeah, I just had that something that was 25 years ago. And then I read 25 years ago. And then that year, I was like, wow, it didn't seem like that far, far. But let's talk again when we're in our eighties and we'll talk about if it seems like it's gone <laughs> or if it seemed like it slowed down a little bit. Uh-huh. I want to figure out ways to slow it down. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I'd like to be able to control that experience of slowing down or speeding up yeah you know but um there's there's maybe there's some books on it maybe that's the book to team up with your author (laughs) on speeding up and slowing down time the guide to controlling time something like something like that i'm totally game for that i i also um along the lines of like wanting to be producing because we know that this we don't know how long each one of us has and because we know that ultimately it is ephemeral mm-hmm. i i had this insight the other day too though that so is the planet right so even if i create as much as i can create right. now my right. books will only be around as long as there are people to look at them who knows how long humans are going to be even in existence and eventually even the planet well, won't be point. anymore good too point. so it was this interesting kind of like i'm really inspired to be creating and leaving my mark, and at the same time, I know that even my mark is here and gone, mm-hmm. eventually. And so, if all this matter that we've created, this is going to get far out there. And I have not smoked anything today. <laughs> Me. Either. I consumed, drank some uh, mate, yerba mate. So that's all I've had so far, and a breakfast taco, and a smoothie. So that's it. But here's the thing, dude. Perfect, dude. What if this happened? When this happens? So. All the matter's gone for whatever reason. At some point in time, the world is mightier than the person. Like we're more fragile in a way, the actual Earth. I think, and I could be wrong there, but I'm no scientist. I'm no, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse or deGrasse High for that matter. But I don't even know what that means. I, I have no idea where that it was. It seems like perfect for where yeah. we are. So. Yeah, it. Yeah, so so. Per- but, I think we are deGrasse High right now. Yeah, we might be deGrasse High. So if it's all gone, though. And you're like, so you're saying the matter, the books, the books, the paper, just like trees and land, it's all gone. This version of it, that goes away. But when we create something, does it send off the signals that it travels 
and continues to exist in non-matter. Is that too far out there? And did I just smoke something and not realize it? Hey, you want to get high, man? That's how they do. They got wooden balls, man. <laughs> I think we just got smoked by the universe. I think, you know, that's really interesting. And... Like, one idea that I have is that all time is existing right now mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So, yes, to mm -hmm. answer that contemplation, mm -hmm. that in some form, nothing even ever goes away. Mm -hmm. But maybe in the same way, nothing even gets born. I'll just, yeah. Mm. Whenever I do that, mm, I have no idea what to follow with. So, so, that, so I just do the, mm. Mm. yeah. I love it. Awesome. It's way better than just saying, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe that may be copywritten too. I don't know. You should copyright though. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to try to do that because <laughs> everything's been attempted to be copywritten. <laughs> right. So I might as well try copywriting. Mm. I can imagine calling the office or wherever you get a call the, in Washington to where you get something patent or copyright. <laughs> uh, uh, I like to copyright. Mm. But what I'm going to do, if I do that, I'll record it and I'll put it on the show. I think it's so awesome. And actually, like, I really loved having you say that because um, mm -hmm. y'all listening can't see this, but I'm just mm -hmm. sitting cross-legged on the mm -hmm. couch here. And um, in addition to being a creativity encourager, I'm a resting encourager also, mm -hmm. which is an encourager of a meditative space. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as we were sharing on that, just the space really opened and you said, mm, and there was just like this openness and I felt really present. So that, that mm sound kind of goes along with rest encouraging somehow. Sounds can be shifting, can't they? Just like colors can be shifting. Sounds can be shifting. Country roads lead the way to the light that always shines. Moving through another from the ones that left behind Secret ain't no secret You know it's plain to see So a show I've been watching, and I've talked about it on, the, on this show before, it was actually I was given a binge watch challenge uh, by my friend Patrick to watch Master of None. And so at the time, it was only one season in. Uh, I think it debuted in 2015 on Netflix. It's Azia Asari, great comedian from Parks and Recreation. Set list, no need. So what, you're just going to put your iPod on shuffle? No, but I could. You want to know why? <sighs> because every single song you own is a banger. Every song I download has to pass a series of rigorous tests to answer one simple question. Is it a banger? Seems like a really funny, sweet guy. He uh, created the show, writes it with his friend. First season, really enjoyed it. It's not always a knee slapper, but it's, it's you know, not a comedy for me doesn't always have to be knee slapping, gut breaking type of laughter. It can be kind of like, you know, that's, you know, where you're smiling and you're kind of like, ha ha, yeah, oh yeah. You know, for me, if I'm genuinely brightened up or if I'm enlightened and I smile, what I, and there were other times where the show was pretty just damn hilarious, but I really enjoyed the first season. It took them a while to knock out the uh, second season. They just dropped it, and I started watching the second season. So it, it I no spoilers here. I don't know if you've watched the show. I've seen partway through. I've seen the whole first season mm -hmm. and partway into the second. Mm -hmm. I need actually a little encouragement on mm -hmm. it because I'm. I think I'm expecting it to be more knee slapping. Yeah, and it's a little mellow. Yeah, he goes a little mellow sometimes. I look at his show and i look at the first season and i think of it as kind of like a, a little bit like a modern day seinfeld in that he's got these wacky friends that are part of the show that are like his version of kramer and his version of george costanza 
But now it's a little bit more diversified. His friend, who's a woman, who acts a lot like a guy, it's not even like made a big deal, which is the right way to do it. So there's all these breakout guys. And then there's the, I think, what I think is kind of like his version, sort of a hybrid of George Costanza and Kramer, which is the real wacky big guy. Um, and his delivery and his dry delivery is kind of just it's pretty right on. And then all of the being single in New York, and kind of all the mishaps and how he's brought that into 2017. I do agree. It's kind of at times more along the lines of dramedy than comedy. Like in the first episode for this new season, he's in Italy and it's all with the first episodes all in black and white. And uh, the pacing of the show is a little different because he's in a different place. So I like how they had the thought to change the show's uh, feel so you feel like you're in Italy with them, and it's not just like the way that's a mistake some shows have made that's mm-hmm. so stereotypical way when they relocate a show, but they don't change the show, still has the same feel to it. So you don't totally feel transported to wherever. And they've been doing these shows for years where they would relocate a show for a period of time. I think they even did a I Love Lucy where they moved the show to LA for a series of episodes where Ricky was out doing stuff in Hollywood. So they were living in a beach house or a Hollywood mansion or whatever. And they did a, a whole block of shows in Hollywood. And, but it was the show, you know, everything's the same. It's all black and white. It's still a soundstage. You feel like they're probably still in the same studio. It just changed the pictures and furniture and maybe the sets just different, a little bit different. But I liked how he said, okay, we're going to be in Italy. So we're going to change the music a little bit. We're going to have it in black and white. It's going to be maybe a little slower paced, which it was. And Italy, you would imagine that Italy would be a little bit more like slower paced and kind of easy. Uh, I'm going to stick with it for the second season, see where it goes. He's pitching it saying we've made a better season. Like this season is going to beat the first season. And that was our goal. Uh, really enjoyed it so far, but I do agree. I did does feel sometimes less like comedy and more like dramedy. And I mean, any show that doesn't do the laugh track that does the, the single camera format generally is ends up being a little more dramedy maybe like the show modern family seems a little more comedy and it's also no laugh track but that show maybe feels a little bit more like just comedy most of the time it's certainly a show like master to none there's seems to be some stuff that goes on spoiler but i know angela bassett is on the second season but i don't i'm not going to say what happens or what she's doing because it might be too much of a spoiler i'm trying to remember because i'm suddenly remembering seeing her name somewhere Mm -hmm. but it could have been that same thing where i'm like falling asleep at night watching this and it just passed in front of me i didn't quite see it but what i do like and i'm glad you brought it up about that show is that i see that he is just playing creatively yeah what more does anybody really want as a creative person and that's what he's doing he's exploring and expressing himself and it's not his fault if I only remember him as the Parks and Rec mm-hmm. character with that writing and that yeah. pacing, I just need to catch up, you know, creatively. And I also really do like when he's talking about the dating stuff. I read a little bit of his book. Did mm-hmm. you see that book that he made about dating in the modern I've age? I've had friends that have read it. They've, been to- <laughs> they've talked about it. And I know it, came, it was a precursor to the show. And he does borrow a lot uh, for the show from the book, I think. That makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, I like that, being mm-hmm. a single person in the modern age and hooked mm-hmm. on technology like I am, like he is. It's, mm-hmm. I actually thought the book was really well written. I recommend, you know, for people who are in the dating world. I was in, I pulled it off the shelf at a bookstore and ended up sitting down and reading quite a bit of it one day. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it was a really good read. Thoughtful. Yeah, that he's some really good stuff in there. One more thing about that show. I know he pushed for this when he was on Parks and Recreation. He wanted them to do, he had pitched the idea of wanting them to do a show where they go like from one episode 
to the next episode where it skips ahead a year, mm-hmm. a whole year in the storyline. And NBC and with the production company could never get them on that because it's just too far out there. And NBC, kind of more of the old arm of entertainment. CBS, ABC, they were, at the, especially at the time, less willing to do that type of experimenting and talking about his willingness to create and how you can appreciate that even when you're not always there with it. You can appreciate that 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 you're trying that stuff because that's what gets us there is we try those things and then when it, when it sticks, you're like, man, I'm glad you got me there. Even if you lost me on the way there, you got me there and you wouldn't have got me there if you had not been throwing up a bunch of things in the air to try it. But he wanted to do that and then so it was cool that when he finally got his own show, he got to implement that idea into his own show of doing that in the storyline at some point in the show, you get to watch it. He, they skip ahead a year in the story from one episode to the next episode. Thunder Pop was not recorded in front of a studio or audience. Doodling. So what got you there? Where did it start to get you into doodling? Because, well, I know you have passions. The first time I remember, one of the first times I, m- I remember talking to you, you were really into Airstreams. Yeah. And that's how I, I remember meeting you. So I had a, a food trailer with a friend. And I think the connection came from that, was from yeah. the Airstream, that you were really into the Airstreams and you like to go see them and explore them. So you had passions, but to get to doodling. Now tell me, what, what brought you there? Well... Let me just say Airstream is always in my heart mm-hmm. as well. Although now I've shifted. You're not from, left. You've not abandoned Airstream as, not, as, a, as a love. I have not. But mm-hmm. I've shifted actually from the big silver bullet trailers mm-hmm. to the Airstream Interstate, which is actually like a um, sprinter van. Yeah. Mercedes engine designed by Airstream. Wow. That sounds fancy. So nice. Uh-huh. Bed, kitchen, shower, oh, but you can wow. drive it. Uh, oh, there's a canopy. It's got the that pulls off the side. Is that better to be able to drive your airstream than to be able to, than to hitch it to a car? Well, when I think about moving around, I just finally realized after going and visiting lots of these big, gorgeous, beautiful airstreams and thinking I wanted a 30 foot trailer because mm-hmm. I wanted to live in it, I realized like, oh, that's not super transportable. Like gotcha. you need a big truck. Uh-huh. And lots of space, yeah. and I wouldn't want to probably pick it up and move it all around mm-hmm. all the time. So for my desire to be spontaneous, mm-hmm. I started to realize that probably something drivable would be better for me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. If I was going to be just in one place or, I don't know, had a family that mm-hmm. a few times a year we would go out and take the trailer, I would still really be tickled to have one or... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if somebody plopped one down and invited me to live in it, I'd probably be interested. But my idea to be spontaneously traveling the country, which is another passion of mine that ties into the Airstream thing. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I think a van. But if I could have a super wonderful, fancy Airstream interstate van, why not, right? Mm -hmm, So so doodling. So Airstream will always be in my heart. And doodling Mm -hmm. came to me I was doing the Artist's Way course. Do you know that book by Julia Cameron? I've heard of it. Heard of it, yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend it for anybody wanting to loosen up your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 12-week self-guided course. And each week, the author asks the reader questions to help get at what turns you on, what doesn't turn you on, mm-hmm. what's really your own passion versus... What did you used to be into that you're not into anymore, but you didn't realize it? Or what was somebody else's idea for you that's not really true for you? It's really wonderful at helping mm. sort and sift that. And you'll find I've 
I've learned so much from Julia Cameron about the kind of mm-hmm. questions to ask. And so in my doodling book, I actually acknowledge her mm-hmm. for teaching me how to write a good prompt. So I was doing the Artist Way course one of several times, and there was a question in there that says, what do you enjoy that you don't give yourself much time for? And I wrote visual arts, mm-hmm. and I just let it be. And then before I was even finished with those 12 weeks, a friend of mine had just trained in some kind of creativity coaching mm-hmm. and had offered a 30-day doodle challenge, a doodle a day, no other rules. Mm. That's it. This was, um, mm, gee, maybe six or seven years ago now. And I was seeing friends of ours, mutual friends of ours, picking up this invitation to do a doodle challenge and posting on Facebook. So I was seeing suddenly these unique for each person, simple, creative pictures popping up in my feed. And I was like, I could do that because I thought I couldn't draw. So even though I knew I liked making collages or making other things with my hands, I play music and I write, but drawing, I just thought wasn't a thing for me. So when I saw these people making scribbles, essentially, I was like, I want to try that. Is it kind of like a doodling blog? Is that not necessarily a doodling blog, what they're doing? Like, but by posting that? It was a, it was a blog post. Yeah. Oh, you mean, so then the other people adding to it? Yeah. I think at the time it was just super loose and they were yeah. just putting it in their Facebook feed. And since then, uh, my friend who first offered it, her name's Melissa McLean, and mm-hmm. she has something called Melissa Ann Colors. So she has her own Facebook groups now, mm-hmm. and we have a Doodle Outreach Facebook group. So we pull them together like that. And on one of my old blogs, you see a lot of my first 30-day doodle challenge, these you know scribbles mm-hmm. that I was making. But anyway, within a few weeks of playing with just a notebook and markers, doodling about whatever I felt like doodling about, Mm -hmm. I started to recognize that there was a similar release happening that I felt with writing and that I felt with making music um, also coming through pictures. And I also started to see that it doesn't matter if a picture looks right or realistic, that the, the joy of that release and the depth of connection with myself was still happening. That sounds kind of hoity-toity, but... Something really powerful was happening even just by scribbling with my markers every day mm-hmm. for 30 days. Like within the first couple of weeks, I stopped counting the days. Mm. Yeah. You love something, you kind of lose track of time. Totally. I was just what... into it. And at the time I was working in mental health hospitals and I started getting to bring mm-hmm. doodle prompts into the into the room with the clients. Oh, and wow. then eventually I stopped working there. But actually when I lost my social work job, which was a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Right away, I started teaching my first doodling class for therapists mm-hmm. because I knew there was something here because talk therapy only goes so far. Writing, which is my first love, also only goes so far. But there's something about translating our thoughts into stick figures or mm-hmm. pictures that pulls us even more into our body. And like we were talking about earlier, there's this necessity and this desire to be doing things with our hands that's not on technology. So mm-hmm. even though I can doodle on my phone and that sort of thing, um, there's a joy in picking up a marker or a crayon yeah. and just letting my expression come out my come like through my heart and out my arm onto the page like that. Another artist, Prince, great artist. He turned down a lot of money for various things because he didn't believe it fit his who he was as an artist or for a variety of other reasons. Some of it was probably business decisions as well. But one of the things he turned down was guitar hero video game. They offered him, you know, $1 million. (laughs) Trillions of dollars 
Dr. Evil there to do a Prince version of that. And they had different bands that they did. I think ACDC did one, some of these other bands. They're great bands, but that that did that and got a huge payday for signing on to do a ver- their version of a Guitar Hero. Prince turns it down. He says... And whether he was right or wrong on this, it was how he felt, and he stuck by it. He stood, he stayed true to it. But he said, I don't want to do that because I don't want to encourage kids growing up to learn fake guitar. I want them, if they want to learn guitar, I want them to learn real guitar with a real guitar and not think they know how to play guitar because they play a guitar hero. And he thought, so he thought it was kind of a, a not a, a real experience of music, learning how to play music. And so now you're talking about the digital yeah. version of what you do right. in doodling. And it's kind of interesting that you bring that up. Well, you can also correlate it to coloring books versus doodling. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because color books has been huge. Yeah. I don't know if it's still a big thing, but I was getting to the point where I was at the grocery store, H-E-B, and they had coloring books in where the crossword puzzle yep. books usually are. Yeah, everywhere. Juice Land has a coloring book now. Yeah, it's, that's right. They it's do. Not, yeah. It's Coloring books are like... Guitar Hero, but even almost like one step even less. Really? Because I think with Guitar... Mm -hmm. I don't know how Guitar Hero works, but I think you're still kind of playing something. Yeah. I'm not sure. Coloring books, for me... When I was a kid, I loved coloring Mm -hmm. and coloring books because it was soothing, it was controlled, it was contained. Mm -hmm. It was comforting for me to make something nice and organizing, color within the lines. But it was also because when I was making pictures as a kid, I didn't think they resembled what I was trying to resemble, mm-hmm. and I got frustrated and stopped doing it. Yeah. So I didn't have anybody around me saying, just express yourself. It doesn't matter. You still have a visual voice, which is what I like to talk to people about today. Um, so nowadays, a lot of people will you know, send me links they see on Facebook and this kind of thing about the coloring book phase. Mm-hmm. And, and I just hope, I hope that the doodle books have come along that we could kind of catch a little bit of the tail end of that, but that we will continue. Here's here's what I think about it. I think coloring books are a fad. As you said, they were really, really big for a little while. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to last. The adult mm-hmm. coloring books, that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because right? right? coloring books are always been always, around. Yeah. They've kind of never gone away. They've been there. Yeah. But then the adult coloring books became a thing. Yeah. And that's where, and then you could, as an adult, you could more sophisticated um, things to color into. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Some of the artwork is really beautiful that's made in these books, and it's just not the same thing as pulling a picture out of your own mind mm-hmm. and coming onto the page. It's just it's a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could it be a gateway thing though? I hope in so. In some cases, but I don't know. Like you know, that could be the argument on the other end of that spectrum is like, well, someone could say, well, it might get my kid interested in music if he plays Guitar Hero. Right. That would not have necessarily. So that could be the gateway I needed to get him into doing maybe something like creative, like musician. Same thing. The coloring book could get maybe somebody that would have not have a soccer mom from. Florida that would not have had anything to do with doodling, but she got into adult coloring and then she found your book and just said, Oh, that could be like, then maybe try something. I'm getting bored with the color books. Yeah, I hope so. That would be a best case scenario. Best case scenario. I really, mm-hmm. really hope so. I met a woman recently. Um, and I was telling her about doodling with deadheads, which is a new thing that I'm presenting these days. Okay. The original book is 365 mm-hmm. days of doodling. Then you have a spinoff book, doodle book, junior for kids yep. specified for kids. Yeah. Now, if you have another project, like following these, is there going to be a trilogy? Well, (laughs) 
Oh, so many thoughts coming all of a sudden. One thing I want to say about the kids book is I actually created it in mind for kids and all adults who like to stretch their minds creatively. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, my so pop- I, I could yeah. still I could still doodle in Doodlebook oh, Junior. Oh, definitely, it's such a joy. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I notice when I do kid style prompts mm-hmm. is that it just, I feel this different part of my brain opening mm-hmm. up than when I'm doing these kind of maybe a little heavier or mm-hmm. headier grown-up prompt so I recommend mm-hmm. doodlebook junior for all people here's here's an example of a prompt what's something that scares you doodle it as if it's friendly I mean all humans mm-hmm. could benefit right all ages yeah. uh, doodle how it feels when someone is mean to you <laughs> it's funny there's uh-huh. kind of dark prompts in there um, imagine one of your toys comes to life doodle your adventures together I mean that's so good for grown-ups to mm-hmm. make this kind of art because it just really starts just firing off these really mm-hmm. playful spaces in the brain so as far as a trilogy, my idea for the Doodlebook trilogies is to do something for older adults, mm-hmm. but I'm realizing that it's split now. There's like the memory care adults, like yeah. people who maybe have some kind of dementia yeah. sort of thing. But there's also older adults who are, I think about my dad, for example, mm-hmm. um, he is 73, last mm-hmm. summer took a trip uh biking and hiking all around southeast asia mm-hmm. you know stuff that me at 47 my dad's in way better shape than i am mm-hmm. you know and i'm 25 years Good for him. younger than he is he's yeah. amazing so i think there's this new i think the baby boomers in their 60s 70s 80s yeah. are a new generation that we haven't seen before because life expectancy is getting longer so a different version of senior citizens exactly yeah. so i think if we do books for older people there's probably there'll probably be two that one will be, you know, sort of that simple kind of memory care thing. And the other would be more for people kind of in the third phase of their life. Mm-hmm. What kind of legacy do they want to leave? What's something they haven't explored that they'd like to get into now that they've retired? Mm-hmm. This sort of thing. It's a more complex demographic. It's great that you've been able to recognize that. Yeah. You bring the seeds, you know, bring the sunshine. You look so good and darling, you're all mine, oh. Speaking of different audiences and demographics, so I know we were talking about Juiceland. We met over Juiceland before we started. Juiceland, just blowing up. They're everywhere now. And there was a location on the campus. And every location's got its own different vibe. They have a campus location. It's got that campus vibe, you know. A little more grungy, high ceilings. They got video games in there. So they had your book. Yes. Everything I do, it take me about a month to get to the question, but I eventually get there. I'm with you. So we're there. Yeah. So they had your book. Yeah. And so you, it was featured in the store. Where people, while they're waiting, they could doodle. Yes. While they're waiting for their smoothie. Yeah. And you had some pretty cool... And I doodled at, at the one near my house. At this location, though, you started getting some very interesting stuff pop up in your yes. book. Well, so to lead into that, mm-hmm. at the Burnet Road Juice Land, which is where you and I met today, yeah. and we have run into each other there a dozen times easily, mm-hmm. um, when I had the book there, mm-hmm. there were still themes that were showing up. I had probably three different copies get filled up over time mm-hmm. in that store. These were the top three themes in this order. Yeah. Marijuana, pizza, juice. And this was at the one here near me. Right here on Burnet Road. Yeah consistently mm-hmm. the most doodled about pizza, topics. weed weed first weed first then pizza then pizza then juice then juice and then mm. whatever else filled up the rest of the picture so i thought that was really fascinating oh. and i think even maybe 
those themes crossed over from the Cedar Park location too. I'm not positive. But I just thought it was really interesting mm-hmm. to watch over several months that those same things came up. I'm surprised pizza in Austin beat tacos because people are taco crazy yeah. here. I mean, there were still tacos in there, mm-hmm. but pizza, wheat mm-hmm. pizza, juice in that order. Yeah. So the campus location, I noticed when I was in there that there were mm-hmm. lots of penises, lots of dicks uh-huh. in the doodles. Uh-huh. And I was, I was mentioning to you Dicks earlier. in the doodles. Dicks in the doodles. Dicks in the doodles. When I first went by the Juice Land mm-hmm. on campus to have a look at the book and I saw that, at first I was felt like real possessive and almost like... Like you were being violated. Yeah. Like, like, your, a, like your book was violated. Being defaced or uh-huh. something like that, you know? Yeah. Because every once in a while I would see something like that where somebody would draw something edgy in the book. But then I had to just kind of zoom out and say, I'm leaving this here for people to express themselves mm-hmm. in whatever way they're expressing themselves. Yeah. And if they want to draw... Penis is doing all kinds of different things. Uh-huh. Beautiful. That's their deal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Do you think this is girls drawing the penises <laughs> or is it guys drawing the penises? It's guys or for sure. It's guys? I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Girls don't draw penises. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. It's not a girl maybe, thing but... to do. Not even like a college girl that's kind of pranking. I, I don't, no, it's I don't the, think it's so. Not, not their thing. I'm not sure. We might have to attach like a little camera on the next time. Yeah, the, that could be doodle, doodle cam. Yeah. You could have doodle cam and then, and then see see what people, where, what the, the demographic is of the people. So guys, but guys would draw the penis before they would draw a girl, like a naked girl? Dicks. Tons of dicks. They're drawing dicks. But they're, these are not, these are their actual art. They're, I guess it's like, it's a crossover of like the sending the dick pic in a text exactly. message is that they can't send a dick pic on a doodle book. So they draw it and they're sick. Like this is my dick pic. I love that. Uh-huh. It's making me think, I don't know if the book is still in the, in the store on the drag, but I kind of want to go by and see what's going on. If it's still there. I but w- someone actually messaged me mm-hmm. on Facebook one day and said, have you seen, this was just recently. I'll actually. give you a heads up. Have you seen the one <laughs> on, on Guadalupe? And I said, did you see lots of dicks? And she said, yeah. <laughs> and then, and normally, if you were asked that question, you'd be like, huh? Yeah, right. Like, what? What you talking about, Willis? No. Mm. Yeah. Or, mm. Exactly. <laughs> so there, there, that was that. And then you had, so your publisher was pitching ideas to you. So yeah, we talked about something. Yeah, I made a joke sexy, about it. Yeah. And then you said, wait a minute. No, they were asking about something sexy. For, we could come up with some yeah. idea for a book. Yeah. And yeah. so then it was like doodling for adult, like adult version of right. the doodling book. And exactly. then it was like, okay, well, that would be... Those those types of project like a science like uh, what what do you call it when you give them a daily um, doodle? You just call it like a daily doodle. Yeah, and you you put a suggestion of like to get them started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you would do that for the adult a book, prompt. like adult yeah. adult prompt. Yeah. yeah, so you'd have adult like a prompts for adult yeah. version game. Yeah, yeah. Is that because that something seriously was considered, or you kind of passed on it right away when it was <laughs> you were asked about it? We had a laugh about it. I mean, we talked about all kinds of different ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, because doodling goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Of course, we talked about trying to do something for the political climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually met a woman. She came to one of my doodling events at a library who actually mm-hmm. did create a book. I can't remember her name or the name of the book right now. I'm sure. sorry. I would love to share that with your listeners. But um, she actually made some kind of a journal slash doodling slash maybe coloring book thing to mm-hmm. help people soothe themselves. So she was on that wavelength. Yeah. And I'm glad she did it because I wasn't mm-hmm. interested. I, I For me... I kind of wish I had a little bit more of the chip of if we do this, we'll make money. 
but I have to do something that totally turns me on. You know yeah, what I mean? it gets so, you excited too. You know, you're fine with it making money. You're yeah, totally on board with that. Money, you want to make money, with, yeah. but it has to also feel like, okay, in my gut, this yeah. is so exciting. Yeah, It exactly. gets me like excited. I can't do it just because this is a sure bet to make money. I wish I could, but mm-hmm. I just can't. So as far as the, the kind of a maybe adult prompts, um, we didn't get too far into it, but... I wouldn't be surprised. My publisher and I are really good friends and we mm-hmm. talk about everything and I could see us, you know, getting together at the mm-hmm. beach for a couple of days and banging out a book on, uh, you know, uh, NC-17. NC-17 level know? of doodling, doodling <laughs> book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could be entertaining coming up with the ideas. Yeah. 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 Does, it, does it take a bottle of wine for that to kind of get that, that version <laughs> of your juice, creative juices flowing? It might. It yeah. might. It's funny. It's funny to think about like, how comfortable would people be making those pictures? Mm-hmm. And also because of the type of doodle prompts we use, um, it would be interesting to see too what other ideas people came up with. Like we might make a prompt that we think is really sexual, for example. Mm-hmm. And then someone, I don't know, ends up making a garden or, you know, there's mm-hmm. just, there's an infinite ways to interpret, interpret a prompt. Mm-hmm. Just fun. So now, now I'm mm-hmm. curious to see if we made the adult book. What all, what all would happen with mm-hmm. it? And then you know, a coffee table book that could be done with sort of like you're talking about nature, and then penis pictures, and then there's all these things in nature that sort of end up looking like, yeah. like as some people would say phallic. Yes. Um, that would look a little phallic. They could. I'm sure someone has thought of this, or maybe this has already happened. But a picture coffee table book <laughs> of like, oh, this is some vegetable grown out of the ground, but it looks like this. Yeah. And then it looks like some or tree. Yeah. It looks like something else. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Georgia O'Keeffe, right? All yeah. Those flowers. Yeah. Okay. So here's another. Speaking of pitches, and you maybe you've already done this, or maybe you've already thought of this. Maybe this has already been. I'm sure you've thought about it. Maybe. But here's the pitch. I got an idea for a web series around your doodling, ah. you know, trilogy. And hopefully it's more than a trilogy. Hopefully it's a quadruple, a five, a five, whatever the five is, five tuplet. Quinn. Quinn. Is it Quinn? Quinn. There's quad. Quinn. Quillogy. Quillogy. Hopefully it goes on like Star Wars, which just goes on infinitely. So in your 365 days of doodling, you have the doodling with strangers. That, what, that's sort of blogging about the books. Doodling with strangers is when I am, I haven't done it quite as much since the books yeah. came out, but I still do it. I carry around a package of blank note cards yeah. and crayons and mm-hmm. a little pile of prompts on laminated index cards. And I will approach people in the juice shop. Okay. What I'll do is I'll flash my crayons and I'll say, hey, do you want to do something fun with me yeah. for a moment? And then they go, mm, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> and then we do it. Uh-huh. And so I have them draw, randomly draw, draw, like pick a prompt, and then we both do it, and then we talk about it. So the prompts are usually introspective and thoughtful. And so then uh, with a stranger, we both put our phone down for a little mm-hmm. while. We used our hands. We made art. We expressed ourselves in the moment. Suddenly mm-hmm. we know each other differently, and then we go on about our day. So, But I do a little YouTube on that. So that's dueling with strangers. Yes. Okay, I've got one for you. Yeah dueling with the unlikeliest people okay so here is the idea think about all these different people like sections of people yeah so in austin every summer we have the rot rally Uh with the motorcyclists that come in from all over the country and they they come in with their big choppers and it's all over town it's very loud and they have their their big party out uh on 290 
with the concert. Usually a, a rock band comes in and plays, and it's lots of people in leather and, and, and gym, jean shorts and cut-up jeans, and riding around in motorcycles, bike gangs. Some of these guys are like probably doctors and, and ladies are like doctors and lawyers and insurance salesmen, but they're like they're weekend warriors. And then there's some of them that probably are like real bike gangs, and you wouldn't want to hang out with them at a bar. So here's the thing. You go to places like that, like you'd go to Rot Rally, and you'd get group of bikers to doodle with you yeah okay another one is you'd go to washington to the white house and you'd get congressmen or politicians to take a break and doodle with you okay and then you would get both republican and democrat and libertarian and green party and whoever all, all parties in one place doodling with you and then while you're doodling with them you would talk about things that are going on in the world because i think what you would get is if you would with with the same politicians if you were in a room where it was just a town hall meeting type of atmosphere there would be a lot more guarded if you get them in a doodling you know out at a park still probably in their suits maybe but they're sitting around in a circle in a park doodling you're going to get a different side of them be a lot more comfortable and more relaxed than if they were like on bill maher's show okay on hbo then you go, so there would be one show there with the politicians, then the rot rally. You could go do one with a bunch of uh, nuns. That would be another episode. You could go to uh, Hollywood and doodle with porn stars. Who is it? It's the plumber. I didn't call a plumber. Movie actors. You can go on and on. You can go down to the coast and you can get fishermen to doodle with you. With their, their peacoats and their beards and their sock cap. And they're sitting there. They smell like fish. You're getting fish juice all over your doodle books, dripping fish juice. It's going to stink. <laughs> By the way, it's going to stink bad. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think? That's my pitch. I That's the web love series. love it. I'm totally in. Uh-huh. I absolutely love it. And what you may not know, but you might have caught a whiff of this because I was mm-hmm. talking a little bit about it on social media. Mm-hmm. I actually put together a pitch for doodling with Congress. Oh, I yeah. I was all ready to... You were kind of on the wavelength there. ...send a letter mm-hmm. to everybody send them a few blank note cards. Uh Now, I think what you're speaking to is key that it really does make a difference if I'm there or someone who can guide them through this. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. So it's easier said than done. I know what I'm talking about is ambitious, but I love it, but not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. Mm -hmm. And actually, so what happened with doodling with Congress was, um, I even set up a GoFundMe campaign because Mm -hmm. it was going to cost me $800 and change, I think to, to, Get all the postage together, yeah. get all the prompts, mail them off to the people. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure it went to every single office. Um, but when was this? This was in January. Then I was working mm. on it. Fairly recently. Yeah. And as some folks may know, in January 2017, Americans were a little crazy with what was going on politically here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I realized that there were so many phone calls and letters coming into the legislator's offices yeah. and people were so freaked out and that the government seemed so unstable mm-hmm. that this was not the time for me to uh, be sending my friendly little... A bad day little... a bad day at the office. Yeah, yeah to go try get, to... It would get lost in there. But yeah. if I physically was with them, uh-huh. once things chilled out a little bit, I think it can make a huge difference. I went to a, this happened because I was doodling with strangers one day. I met Mm -hmm. a guy who works for the Republican Party, Mm -hmm. some branch. I'm not exactly sure what his job was. I think he has a new job now. And uh, he said, you should come to one of our meetings and do some doodling with our people. They could really stand to loosen up. This is a local Texas state politician? Yeah, well, he 
somewhere involved in politics. He didn't yeah. hold office, but was somewhere involved in politics. Yeah. yeah. Um, I met him at El Cholito doodling mm-hmm. one day. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, he invited me to his Toastmasters group. Yeah. It's Republicans, Libertarians, and other small government geeks, mm. I think they call mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, Tea Party, all of this stuff. And I didn't really know too much about the setup of how Toastmasters worked, but I yeah. went because I had this idea that this would work. Exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So I went and I did a little presentation on doodling, and I think we did two different prompts. And I just watched the whole room settle down. So you're mm-hmm. talking about people being guarded. Like yeah. if I was going to go talk to a legislator in his office or at a town hall meeting, there may be these shields, I think you called it. Mm-hmm. But in this setting, as soon as we started making pictures like this and we were doodling about things that were important to them, mm-hmm. all the shoulders dropped in the room. The, I had people sharing with the person next to them. I saw this flow start happening and then... As people were getting up to give their Toastmaster speeches, because Toastmasters is a um, like a public speaking prep, yeah, club, right. Um, a lot of people brought their doodles up with them mm-hmm. and used them as part of their talks. And what I noticed was, well, what I interpreted was, for example, there was a woman there who seemed very tense, angry, scared, rigid, mm. and her point that she wanted to talk about. Uh, was a very politically divisive conversation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily come Mm -hmm. down on the same side Mm -hmm. that she did on her conversation. But the doodle that she had made on how problems could get solved Mm -hmm. was so from the heart and so without all this heady, I'm on the Republican side or you're on the Democrat Mm -hmm. side or whatever that might be, that... um, I still felt that I got to have a connection with her, even though I didn't necessarily drive with what her speech was about. And as we yeah. left that night, I just felt so um, validated yeah. because I knew that doodling could cross over, that I could go to the rot rally, that I could go to the legislators, that I could go to the nuns, and that we can find common space when we start asking what's important to us, what's on our mind, but not just speaking about it because speaking is going to keep us in our mental spinning Mm -hmm. but getting into our bodies and expressing in this way that's nonverbal. i'm totally down with your idea i love it i want to do i want to take my airstream interstate Uh and you get the airstream what's it called airstream the airstream interstate i'm gonna have to look that up yeah they're beautiful what is one of those run oh like 80k brand new probably yeah yeah. It's a house on wheels. It is a house on wheels, and I Which would be huge. happy to be sponsored. You know, if, if some cool companies want me to stick a sticker on the side of my yeah. car, heck yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, you could have two stickers. You could have the sticker Crayola. for your books. Yeah. And then you could have a sticker for a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is that would be also your way to get around to these places to have the doodle, to be there for the doodle, a cross-country doodle. You know, the cross-country doodle. Oh, my gosh. Let's just, I know we're on radio, but we're, we just uh, slap tens here uh, on yeah, that. High cross-country fives. doodle, mm-hmm. yes. My tagline for mm-hmm. doodle outreach says, connecting the world through simple creativity. Mm-hmm. So you're like spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. we got to make this happen. And I'll, I'll come up with some more for you, like fishermen, the nuns, the politicians, the priest, nuns, go to the Vatican, can hit that up. Astronauts, yes. go down to NASA, hit the astronauts yeah. up. We'll get the billionaires yeah. in a circle. How we'll get homeless, so you get both ends of the spectrum. Yes. In fact, that could be the same show. You could do the first half with homeless and the second half the show with the billionaires. Yep. Contrast and compare. Totally. The, the, I really want to do it with cops. Firemen, people in the military. Yeah. 
military with PTSD come back from the war. That would be... Big time. They need that grounding and therapy. And other people get PTSD too. So it's not just people that go to sure. war and are in the military. People that have trauma. Yeah. So just PTSD people in general um, need that. Cool thing about military and the 365 Days of Doodling book. Mm-hmm. I met a woman who is married to another woman. They, it's so great. They are like, mm-hmm. they bust all normalcy. And so anyways, she, so two women are married The Her wife is a military chaplain. Mm-hmm. So not only is she gay, female and in the military, she's a chaplain. Mm-hmm. Super interesting to me. So she's being deployed this summer, I think to Afghanistan. Wow. I forget exactly where, but let's say Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her wife has been thinking about how do I stay kinesthetically connected while my wife is gone for nine months or it's going to be something like that. So she got my book and she said she and her wife are going to use it. They're going to each have a copy. Mm -hmm. And before before her wife is deployed, they're going to start doodling daily together and sharing the daily pictures. But then once she's over there and they're talking on Skype, they're going to keep on with their daily doodling using the same prompts and sharing like that. And I just think it's so exciting because now, even though they're not physically touching each other, they will still be doing something physical in communion with each other. Yeah. So there's room in the military for this. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's good stuff. I got another one, one more for you on doodling. Good. The weirdest place that you've doodled. The weirdest place that I've doodled? Yeah. Oh, I know it's there. Let me see if it comes to mind. Or the weirdest place you've heard about someone doodling, whether it's (laughs) even if it's not you. I'm feeling so boring right now because it's just not coming. Let's see. And Um, if you can't come up with one, I'm going to try to come up with doing a doodle somewhere just so I can have the the trophy for having doodled in the weirdest place. Oh, good. I'm just kind of scanning. Like the very first thing that popped into my mind was a concert at the ACL studios. It's not weird that we doodled there, but it was really fun. While waiting for a show? Yeah. Like in the was, audience? Yeah. It was the Bob Weir shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bob Weir was the rhythm guitarist in The Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And um, as I mentioned, I'm doing Doodling with Deadheads now, which yeah. is super cool and amazing, unifying. So that's a book. Beautiful sessions. No, it's just actual events. Okay. I've done one. We're doing another one mm-hmm. in July. Mm-hmm. And actually, on the due date of your baby, is it okay for me to say this yeah. on your show? Yeah, we've announced it already. Okay, episode great. 40, yeah. On your baby's due date, mm-hmm. doodling with deadheads happening right down the street from here at Genuine Joe Coffee, um, where we get together and doodle on prompts having to do with the Grateful Dead experience. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I was at a Grateful Dead related concert recently and um, doodled before the show doodled at set break and doodled after the show with different people so before the show we made pictures of songs we'd like to hear Mm -hmm. at the set break we made pictures of highlights from the first set and after the show just highlights from a whole night it was really beautiful so i wish that was weirder after i leave i'm gonna think of something weird Mm. where i've doodled but it's just not there for me right now Mm -hmm. tell me tell me yours they don't have a weird place but i want to come up with one just so i can have the bragging rights so next time if you get asked that question again you could say, well, Stephen Presley, yes. he doodled in like um, in a, well, a confessional while confessing to a priest. And he's not even Catholic anymore. <laughs> he hasn't been Catholic in years, but he went to confession just so he could doodle while talking to the priest. I love it. And you should have seen what the priest made. Yes. He doodled simultaneously <laughs> yes. what I was confessing to yes. him. Yes, yes. And first confession, priest, is I brought a doodle book in here, and I'm doodling, and I've, I'm going to hand you one over, too, as well. Oh, great. We're going to doodle together. I was raised Catholic. I haven't been a practicing Catholic in many years. 
So that would make it even weirder that I would go to confession to doodle. Take a trip to Chicago, doodle at the top of the Sears Tower, maybe doodling while on a roller coaster ride. It'd be kind of hard though. Yeah. Because it'd be things, things might go flying. It would, you would get uh, really a, um, a un a different kind of doodle where things are going left and right. Well, that's perfect then, isn't it? Right. Because like, even like, so at doodling with deadheads, I play music. Mm -hmm. Every time you put a song on the doodle is affected by that. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I want to even do doodling with deadheads without any music playing just to see how it's different without influencing them. So being on a roller coaster, Mm -hmm. uh, that would be so awesome. Scared of roller coasters, but I, I can't do the big ones. I I can do the kitty ones, and that's about the extent. We did a roller coaster tour one time. My friend was working at E Channel in L.A., and he used his media credentials to get us into a bunch of amusement parks for free. Was we went in the morning, like before they opened, and we got to ride all these rides. We went to like three different amusement parks before like lunchtime and rode everything we could ride. But there would be the big ones. I'd say, okay, I'm I'm out on this one. I'll be down here just kind of hanging out. You guys, you guys got this. <laughs> I'll be on the carousel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did all the kitty rides and all the kitty rides that I, that I could handle. I think uh, doodling in line at the post office is pretty random. I've done that. That's a good one. Yeah, I put on headphones and listen to podcasts while I'm in those lines. And I did that when I went to go vote during the election. Oh, I did vote in the primary line, the primary election line. Doodled we, while in line. Sorry, we doodled while in, you know, it was like that mm-hmm. really long and we were standing there for three hours trying to vote yeah. for Bernie. Uh-huh. We tried uh-huh. kind of thing. Doodled. And doodled. That's a great, and great, you know what was cool is doodle. it wasn't, it was once again, it was a mix of political persuasions that we all joined together in that line. And doodled. Friends and doodled. It was and mixed, great. mixed it up and doodled yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I see that you were talking about the Trump thing, how you see a little bit of the humor in it. You're able to kind of laugh at it and not be totally angst or upset for whatever reason. It's And it's like the most unique situation. We've never had anything like that. If you think about the last two presidencies we've had have been very historical and unique for different reasons. First, you know, obviously Barack Obama for the, the most obvious reasons, you know, being the first, not just first black president, but first non-white president. But then, and Donald Trump, that being, you know, someone that wasn't even in politics, in government, which I can't remember had that having that in my lifetime, that we've had a non-person from government. And then him being basically from coming from reality TV. Which in, is another place for the, our webcast reality TV people. I'd like to do it with them. That... Oh, doing uh, reality TV people. Yeah. The characters from reality TV. Survivor. Yeah. Big Brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The Desperate Housewives, one of those group, and they're always fighting and and scrapping. (laughs) Right. Pulling hair. I would love to doodle with President Trump, by the way. Yeah. If I could get him to chill out with me for a few minutes, I would have a blast doodling with him. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see that, to see see that draw. And then the the people that, the activists that are out, you know, um, you know, being vocal about their lack of content for for that as well well i think what's exciting about that actually is that i think especially for the activists and i was actually offering some classes for a little while in Mm -hmm. when things were getting real exciting at the end of last year beginning of this year and not too many people took me up on them but i think that if we want to be making a difference anything that helps us get out of our headiness and more embodied is Mm going to be useful so Mm -hmm. i think if i could go doodle with all of those activists it might help them actually flush some of their emotions in a really healthy yeah. way. And now more creative ideas and more creative problem yeah. solving can come through. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been independent for many years. I voted Green Party. I voted Libertarian. I voted Democrat. And I don't agree with everything with all of them. 
I don't agree with everything they say, which for me is why I've always been, I don't believe everything is just one way or the other. It's got to be the other, or it's got to be this way, and you've got to agree with everything on this side, or you've got to agree with everything on that side. I'm, I'm more fluid in my thinking, and I'm also more like flexible on certain things where I'm willing to bend on certain areas. But there, I mean, there are definitely Republicans that I don't like their their ideas, and there are some them Democrats that I don't trust for various reasons, and I don't agree with everything they say either. Um, so I, I'm kind of, you know, I've voted all over the map before. I've voted in con- candidates. Uh, I voted for independent candidates. Um, so, and I, I generally lean third party, but it's something that's going on with both Republican and Democrat as I see they're the two big parties. There's definitely a division in both of them. We saw that this year in the election or last year in the election with the Democrats, you had the Bernie Sanders and you had the Hillary Clinton and the Hillary Clinton's kind of the old arm that, that the traditional democratic. And that's the one where you're like, has it gotten a little bit too big and a little bit too big for its own britches? Has it gotten a little bit too powerful? Has it had too much money behind it for it to be good for the people? And then you had the Bernie Sanders group, which was a, a very uh, driven by young people uh, and, and free thinkers, people that, that wanted new ideas in the Democratic Party, had a lot of energy behind it and a lot of momentum and inertia, and that was very exciting. And then you had this Republican thing that's going on, and you've got the kind of the that, that same thing with the Clintons and the Democratic side. You have the Bushes, that Bush kind of Republican that's the traditional Republican that's, that has their script and all the things that they line up on, and they've pretty been, they stick with. And, you know, the rhetoric, the rhetoric is not necessarily racist, but some of the, the policies are not necessarily super positive for everybody. And, and definitely there's a lot of anti-women policies in that realm. Uh, the rhetoric might not be anti-women always, but some of the policies are. And then you had this whole other, there's like this renegade Republican side, which I think kind of used to be the Tea Party group. And that's the renegade side of the Republican Party that's not happy with the mainstream Republican with the whole Bush kind of side of the Republican Party. And then so Trump kind of took that under his wing and made that kind of his his project. And that so that's sort of that kind of, you know, just like Bernie Sanders is for the Democratic side. So it's really interesting. There's this division right now and seeing where that's going to go, future elections. And right now it's too early to have any idea what's going to happen in the next election. It's too early to see because we got to see how things are going to play out in the next year. But it's just interesting to see now there's these two divisions. Who's going to get the, the party and the attention of the party going forward? And a, a lot of, you know, you'd like to see sort of those new ideas kind of take over. You'd like to see more of a positive attitude towards legalization, a more inclusive viewpoints. But I'm wondering, is there going to be four parties? Is there going to be a Democratic 1A and a Democratic 1B, Republican A and Republican B? Are they just going to divide up? And Is there going to continue to be this tug of war for a while? I mean, I would think at some point that Bernie Sanders' group, the younger group, is going to kind of take over and influence but then it, there's all this power struggle, too, because there's the people that are in power that kind of could push in strong arm anything, even if there's the momentum of what the people want. Which brings us right back to House of Cards. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's where we started. You know, when you see House of Cards, you just get like it's all just this game with mm-hmm. people who are just really hyped up on their own mm-hmm. power and what it is that they want to be doing. And, mm-hmm. and all of the frontline workers who are just pushing it. My mom is a frontline uh, political uh 
a consultant, lobbyist, activist for health and human services mm-hmm. and child welfare through her whole entire career. And I watch what she's been struggling with. And I think there's this one faction of people who are trying to do something in the way that mm-hmm. if everybody played by the rules that it's laid out on, it would look like this, a mm-hmm. truly kind of democratic system and people vote and they, you know, they lobby and they talk about things and mm-hmm. they come out for the greater good. But then there's this like, you know, the background or the umbrella mm-hmm. is just a very few, like, oh, I want to tell a spoiler. I'm not going to tell it. Watch, okay. watch season right. five of House of Cards. There's, there's some a, new juice, juicy stuff. There's a mm-hmm. conversation that um, Frank and Claire have about just paying attention to who's coming into office and watching out for who's coming up behind you because mm. Frank and Claire were the ones who were coming up behind mm-hmm. the people and they did some nasty things to get themselves into power. And so just essentially saying like, there are all these people on the front line trying to make a difference by voting and by signatures and all of this. But then like the people who are actually pushing the buttons in my mind, it seems like don't give a fuck. Can I curse? Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, we, oh yeah. Come on. Now. Yes, okay. <laughs> we should have started you heard some of our shows. Ago, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, I just think it's interesting too, that I think I'm going to edit in curse words into the show. Cause oh, there good. wasn't enough. Good. Fuck. There you go. Yeah, I needed one of those so I can use it in certain sections. It's gonna. I'm gonna put fuck on the front of everything you. So every time you said something, it's uh, you know, fuck and and fuck this and That's fuck. So that. awesome. You know what's great about that? My current project that I'm working on is a book of poems that I'm mm-hmm. pulling together from poetry I've written over mm-hmm. several years that I've just stuck on random blogs and never did anything with it. And mm-hmm. I thought, I think it's time to produce something personal. My doodling books have my personality mm-hmm. in them, but they're not me telling my story. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the book title that I have so far is called Read at Your Own Risk. Mm -hmm. And part of that title is for those who think I'm only, you know, the friendly Crayola girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're not expecting that I'm going to curse and that I'm going to, you know, some of the language and some of the themes that come up in my poetry, I'm just really direct. So Mm -hmm. it's perfect what you're, you know, I'll just say it one more time. Fuck. Okay. And then when, uh, for use in case I need it in editing, fuck in. Fucking. Okay. Because somebody you say, that fucking uh, uh, politician or that yeah. fucking uh, doodle book or that fucking uh, house of cards. Yeah. I can have that in yeah. there to use as well. Fucking. Can I also say cunt? Oh, gosh. The last. Did you you listen to the one we just recorded? No, I haven't heard it. Feed the read. That's been used in the show. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem. Is that a that terrible one. word? You know what? I only use it to refer to my own. Reed Charles, who's on the show quite a bit. Feed the Reed. He always starts the show, Good Day, Cunts. Oh, I like that. He starts it off. But he does it in an Australian <laughs> accent, and I could never figure out why he was doing the accent when he did it. So this last show we just recorded, I said, where did that come from? And he said, oh, there's a video. It's these videos this guy from Australia did, and it's his accent, and he's feeding these uh, goats. And this one goat is aggressive and is always trying to take the food. He's got names for all his goats. And Kevin, who's the goat that tries to steal all the other goats' food, he calls him, you know, he says, Kevin, you're a cunt. And so I think calling Kevin the goat a cunt, well, it made for very high entertainment. With his Australian <laughs> accent, you're a cunt, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty. I can appreciate that. It was pretty pretty silly and funny. I mean, there's a whole other conversation about how why it is that that slang for female genitalia mm-hmm. is actually a negative. Yeah, <clears throat> but I guess the same with men because you know if you call somebody a dick, yeah, it's kind of in that same category as calling them a pussy, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, no, I like the word cunt for myself. Yeah, to use for yourself. Yeah, you, you like to use it. Yeah, it's good. 
Yeah, if you're not gonna call, you wouldn't call anybody that. I don't know. If I do, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll get we'll up, update me on that. <laughs> Perfect. The shit is getting real. Oh yes, things getting serious. Dude, did you hear what I said? The shit just got real. Next segment that we like to do on the show: agree or disagree. Okay, we got three questions. So we just had a hung jury in the Bill Cosby trial. Did you watch it? What a little bit of Bill Cosby when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him live. Yeah. So you were you were there as a Bill Cosby fan? Uh huh. For many years. You know, Enos popped me in the behind with the towel. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Was it hard for you, that whole thing, when it started to come out about all these allegations? And, of course, he hasn't been found guilty in a courtroom yet. But certainly, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot of stuff that piles up uh, and piles up and piles up. Was it hard for me? Yeah, was it hard did for you I as a did it feel as a fan? Did, did it take it did you take it hard? Did you was it heartbreaking? Was it at all even shocking? I think I just was curious about it and and one of the thoughts that I had and still have is will we ever find out? Right. Yeah. That was kind of I'm kind of a hung jury myself. I mean, I know mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. Sorry to say. Right. Well, I mean, what's for sure is that he had all these extramarital relationships. And, and of course, that's a whole other area of people's perspective on what's right and what's wrong. You know, those are, those are people have different opinions on that. But whether you're on the board with that or not, you know that happened with lots of women. And then the, he's even admitted to, okay, drugs and the drugging was involved. Yeah. So here's the question I have for you. They had a hung jury. And it was brought up on Howard Stern's show just the other day. They're talking about this. Here it is. Cosby trial. So they went somewhere in the middle of fucking Pennsylvania where I guess, I guess they have no newspapers. They found 12 people who had never heard of the Bill Cosby trial or what was well, going on. Well, they would on. also have to not have electricity, TV, right. these <laughs> internet. Are people, yeah, can you imagine the comprehension <laughs> level of these people? Okay. So we're talking about the juries and how they found people that had not heard of the trial or had no idea what was going on with Bill Cosby. So I started thinking, and I always go there and try to connect the dots and follow the money, as they say. You're in Pennsylvania, and I'm thinking, okay, Amish, who's the most disconnected from media and technology, pop culture and news stuff, more than Quakers from that region of the country, Delaware and Pennsylvania. So then I'm thinking... I did some research. I said, can Quakers be called to jury duty? Sure they can. Okay. Now they can get out of it in various ways, just like me and you can. But yeah, absolutely. They can be, they can be uh, recruited for jury duty if they get found to be. So I'm thinking, are these 12 jurors, did they access and use that? Because you're thinking about, did they have Quakers in this jury? Okay. Would you agree or disagree with that? Were there, were the, was the jury... Were there Quakers on the jury? Yeah, the Quakers on the jury. And is that how they were able to find people <laughs> in Pennsylvania that had no idea about Bill Cosby? I'm going to go with agree, although maybe not the whole jury. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that the whole jury would be, but I would think some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll find out because then now the jury, now the court case is over. They'll, re, they'll retry them, I'm sure, in, in several months, but could end up with the same result. And I'm sure his defense will do their best to see to it that it ends up at the same result or actually finding a, a, a verdict of not guilty or acquittal. But um, that's something we're going to find out because then these jurors start doing interviews and we start seeing them in, in places being 
um, access to be talked to about the case. So we might get to find out soon whether that was the case. But that's kind of where I went with yeah. it. After I listened to the, the Howard Stern, I'm like, yeah, and I had already thought about that. Then I went to Quakers. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm that, with you. Yeah. Okay. So the second one here on the agree or disagree, House of Cards, yes. as we were talking about today, uh, we, we, you know, and I, I read and you mentioned they really haven't ever made a statement of when they're going to end the show. In fact, they say they make a decision after each season's over what's going to happen next and what whether it's going to go and continue. But the producer of House of Cards has said that they're open to the idea of a spinoff series that would carry on the House of Cards universe without the Kevin Spacey character and then maybe using a different character as a, as a central character. We were talking about Robin Wright and her character. Maybe they could make go off into a different storyline with her. Uh, would you agree or disagree that that is a great idea? As you were talking about it, I was feeling into would I just miss Kevin Spacey too much? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with agree because I'm sort of split on it, but I'm more on mm-hmm. the agree side. Yeah. Because I'm going to have faith in the producers that they will have awesome actors, mm-hmm. super compelling characters. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would fail. Yeah. And that's the key, too, because I got really into watching um, the, it's the HBO series True Detective. I watched yes. the first season, Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, one of my favorite all-time shows. Really good. Season one of True Detective. You got to see it? I saw it. Love that show. Very yeah. suspenseful. Loved Woody Harrelson and, and Matthew McConaughey in those roles. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite things that Matthew McConaughey has done, you know, out of all the stuff that he's done. And there's other things I really enjoyed that he was in. But then second season, different cast. Again, really good people, but didn't quite work as well for me. And then so it does make a difference to getting the right characters and right actors. And then you go to Woody Harrelson, who was also in Cheers many years ago, and he was a replacement character for when the, the actor that played Coach passed away. They went and find went and found another. They wanted to find kind of another dumb, kind of naive guy, kind of character to be the sidekick to Sam Malone. So Woody joined the cast, playing kind of the younger version of Coach. It worked, yeah. and it was a good. So if you plug in the right person, it works. Right. So you're right. It's all going to come down to how they cast it. If they can get the right people put in those places, because Kevin Spacey, big shoes to fill. Big shoes to yeah. fill. Yeah, I'm. I'm like really chewing on this question now. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with all of that. Yeah, to see if they did. They do that, and they did it with uh, Breaking Bad. Also, they did the Better Call Sal spinoff, and that's worked. Yeah, I um, liked it so far too. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of spinoffs, I mean, mm-hmm. I love the show Frasier. I think that was a real success Great. up until about season six or so. But it was mm-hmm. really, really good for a while. Real strong. Yeah, yeah. real strong for the Funny. first, uh, and it kept that kind of Cheers legacy going on yeah. with with Frasier. I actually went back and tried to watch Cheers. I used to, I used to like wherever I was out mm-hmm. and about in kind of my early twenties after I graduated from college, mm-hmm. I was crashing at my mom's place and uh-huh. wherever I was, I would try to get home by like 11 cause reruns of cheers were on. Uh, it yeah. was just like a real comforting thing. I would get home by 11 at night, watch my cheers. Mm-hmm. So I tried to go back and watch, I think probably on Netflix and I didn't get too far into the first season before I was like, okay, this show is super sexist. Yeah. It's like really like I forgot the timing. Of yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like that it wasn't necessarily modern. Yeah. You know, it's just like early 80s, early mid 80s. Like yeah. it, it made it till late 80s. But then it was, you know, it's been on for several years. Yeah. But when it started, 
Yeah, and when it was in its prime, it was definitely in the mid-80s. I maybe need to, speaking of like season three with comedies, maybe I need to skip ahead in Cheers because I used to love that show so much, but yeah. that first season is really bad. It's like really It's funny bad. how shows can do that sometimes, like what you remember and then you go reconnect with it later, yeah. and then you're like, wow, now there's these things on this show. Think back to The Honeymooners yeah, right. and that the, the relationship and how that's considered like classic comedy for especially older people. And then, you know, like Cheers was for us, it's a classic comedy. Like for an older generation, Honeymooners is considered one of the, like, shows to put up on a pedestal. And then how, like, abusive that relationship right, is. Verbally right. abusive. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we actually Violent. ever saw him physically abuse her. But definitely some stuff now that sounds pretty, like, wow. <laughs> right. You know? And then, of course, there's a lot of things that would be very uncomfortable in race issues from old movies and old TV shows. Yeah. And it's kind of a good debate of, like, how much of that... You know, we've had that debate on the show before about revisioning history in life and in television. And do you just let some of that kind of, you have to let some of that kind of exist and then just let people consume it as sort of a history lesson of what that time was like. Was that like what bar was like, bars were like in the 80s? Was it really that sexist out in the real world in the 80s? I think it probably was. It, so it probably is reflective of yeah. the way it was now, you know, at that time and you know, there's these show re- reboot shows now. They're doing some like Will and Grace is going to be rebooted, and they're going to do Roseanne. And we had had question. We had talked about whoa, would Cheers be a good reboot? And you know, you're talking about now how it would, this older shows and had all the dated how dated it was. Could they bring that into now and put new stuff in there? I guess if you're clever enough with the writing, you can kind of make it work, modernize it. You know, you just have to be clever enough. It's, I mean, this is a whole big other conversation that we mm-hmm. can have another time, but I read kids' mm-hmm. books. Yeah. I like to read, like, middle grade books, I think they're referred to, because they're creative, and, like, yeah. I'm reading one right now about a boy who finds a giant, and, but it's a new book, and he's got a smartphone, mm-hmm. and I have not caught mm-hmm. up yet with, like, we watch um, Master of None, and, yeah. you know, other things that we watch on, like, even House of Cards has a lot of texting in it. Yeah. Um, so these things are becoming more modern. But when I'm actually reading a book that I hold in my hands and it has children using smartphones, I it's like I just haven't quite caught all the way yeah. up that my literature has this stuff in it. So thinking about something like Cheers, what would Cheers be like with an iPhone? It's just really, really different. Mm-hmm. By the way, loved Ted Danson in the second season of Fargo that I just watched on Hulu. Yeah. He was really, really good on that. Yeah, he's a great guy. Great actor, too. Um, funny Ted, real quick, funny Ted Danson story. He was here many years ago when his wife was working on a film. He was here with her at Book People. I heard this story from somebody probably that was there as a witness. A woman comes up and asks for his autograph. I'm such a huge fan of yours. Would you please sign my book? Mr. Ted Danza. So she got the names crossed over. So like Tony Danza, Ted Danza. He says, oh, well, thank you. Appreciate it. So he signs her book, of course, with much appreciation, Ted Danza. And she was like, I can't believe I got to meet Ted Danza. She's going around the store and she's got the book signed. I'd love to doodle with him, by the way. Oh, yeah. So he's a great actor, too. I've always liked his work. I got one more for you on Agree or Disagree. Wonder Woman was a huge hit at the box office in the summer. This is a summer that's been kind of a bit slow for the box office, so it was a huge win for them to have Wonder Woman among what has already actually been a kind of a slow summer for for ticket sales. So with that, in kind of a monkey see, monkey do in Hollywood, is this sort of a good thing, though, because what could come of this now is 
there was no female superhero standalone movies. Now Wonder Woman's been a big hit, proving that people will go see it with a woman lead as the principal character in a superhero movie. Well, the benefit of that be the bene- the beneficial thing of that will be that we'll actually get to see maybe some more female superhero standalone movies. Agree. And watch season five of House of Cards. Okay. It's relevant to your question. Oh, I'll, I'll get back with you on that. Yeah. All right. When we get back, thoughts and advice for your day. All right. And now we're back with some thoughts and advice. Mmm, delicious. Delicious. Man, this chocolate cake batter I made is amazing. What do you think, Superman? Dangerous. Mmm. First, never touch any appliance without apparent supervision. Mmm. Also, always turn pot handles in, away from the edge of the stove. Mmm. So nobody bumps into them and gets hurt. Mmm. Now you're cooking. Mmm. Great. I'm so glad we finally got to get you in Thunderpop Dome. Super fun. Have a great one. 365 Days of Doodling. Really, well, I think it's one of the most recognizable book covers that I've ever seen. This is in paperback, correct? Yes, yes. And you can get it on Amazon. Yep. We're talking about book people. Yep. You can get, even get it signed if, if Ted Danz is there. He'll sign it for <laughs> That's you. That's right. And uh, it's got a picture, a doodle of you. That's right. On the cover. That's right. The front and back. Yeah. And then there's a photo of you as well. Yep. I dressed myself up like my doodle. And took a picture. I of it. noticed that. Do you still have this shirt, the striped shirt? Yes. Do you wear that for appearances because it's on the book? Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of become your doodle uniform. That's right. Superhero costume. That's right. For doodling. Yeah. And then the new one, Doodle Book Junior, Karen Channing, 101 Creative Prompts for Kids. So Karen Channing is a professional rest and creativity encourager. And she's also a fan of House of Cards. We really appreciate you coming on. Everybody have a great day, month, hour second millisecond uh what else now great now the most important hmm. and hmm. And Thunderpop is a Hit the Bricks production.